1: Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today, a wild new film about a true story of four college students in Kentucky back in 2004 who tried to pull off one of the biggest art heists in American history. What were they thinking? Were they bored? Were they privileged? And it's called American Animals. And we've told you stories of dozens of wines and films during our past 75 shows. So today we want you to get to know us just a little bit better. So Haley's going to ask me a handful of questions about movies, and I'm going to ask her some questions about the wonderful world of wine. We call it a little bit of she said, he said.
2: I'm wine expert Haley hamilton Cogill. In 2014, one of the greatest heists in the wine world occurred with at least two men breaking into the famed French Laundry in Napa Valley, stealing over $500,000 worth of wine. I think it was about 550 dollars We will pair one heist with another later in the show. But first, Gary, let's discuss this film. We, we watched this film last night. Yeah, uh,
1: so it's called uh, American Animals. It's 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Written directed by Bart Layden. I don't know anything about Bart Layden. I know he's, he did another kind of true crime story Mm -hmm. before that. Um, But I want to read a snippet from Carrie Darling, who's a colleague of mine whom I know, and she writes for the Houston Chronicle. She wrote this about this film, American Animals. Privilege is a powerful intoxicant. Just ask the four college students who in 2004 tried to pull off a heist of rare books from Kentucky's Transylvania University Library that they believed they could sell on the black market for a cool $12 million. Inspired by way too many Quentin Tarantino films and lulled into a false sense of cultural security by their easy middle-class lives and reputations as anonymous boy-next-door good guys, they think they're getting one over on the system. And reality is that they... Are just like the low lives who entertain them in Reservoir Dogs or Animal Kingdom, but just way more stupid.
2: They're so stupid. These
1: are the dumbest. They're so. They're stupid. dumb as a box of rocks. <laughs> they're also privileged, slightly. I didn't.
2: Kind of, yeah, I. I just I didn't get the be very sense very that they were. Class. I mean, they, yeah. the main kid was on a. They're was bored. on an Athletic scholarship, and so yeah. I mean, they're. I didn't take them as as being upper class privileged boys that had nothing better to do no. um, but i i did think that they have absolutely zero i i think i i don't want to downplay this movie but i i just like these kids are stupid
1: yeah you said that you say that and i think what's interesting about the way it's made so they do something that we we rarely see or mm-hmm. i don't think i've ever seen in a film uh, Bernie did this a little bit, and mm-hmm. I love the movie Bernie. <clears throat> Excuse me, but they used the real guys in this film and the real characters. Their teacher, uh, the um, the librarian at the, library the librarian that was guarding mm-hmm. the books. They used the real ones and juxtaposes the, juxta, the juxtaposition <laughs> between them and the real and the and the characters that play them. So they'll start a scene and. And the real guy will say, hey, here's what we did next. And then it goes to the scene with the actor. And they look a lot like the actors. So they cast pretty much unknown actors. Mm-hmm. They're good actors. Mm-hmm. It's very well done. I, I think it's a pretty well done film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more I thought about it, the more it bothered me. And I think it bothers me because it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Because and the, and the opening scene says, this is not based on a true story. This really happened. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not loosely based or anything. It really went down of what literally happened, and so as
2: they planned I think that, that. that's the you, what you just said actually describes it perfectly. It's not a poorly made film. It's it's it, and it's an interesting concept to use the four guys that tried to pull off this heist and right. and then have a scene with them fall you know flow into an actual you know scene with the actors and so technically it's it's kind of interesting. I just really don't care anything about these characters. Right, right. I and, I,
1: and I think that's the point of the film. Yeah. So I think the film really succeeds in what it set out to do uh, as to watch a movie about entertainment and pulling off a big art heist. Yeah. This is the wrong one. Yeah. Because um, not only are they dumb and they make big mistakes, but they're kind of arrogant about their own mistakes. Mm-hmm. And they're wildly in front of the public and everything they do. Yeah. They're not... They're not running around trying to be hidden. They're trying to go to class and take exams. You know, the guy has a college sports scholarship and never goes to practice. Yeah. You know, they're and, just stupid. And they're just, they're just lazy and yeah. stupid. And they're really lazy about their planning. Yeah. So when you get into the library, and I'm going to say this too, I didn't know in Kentucky there was a Transylvania <laughs> University. University. Yeah. I find that odd, but, yeah. you know, more power to them that this, there's a handful of famous books worth millions of dollars there. And there's a woman who's a librarian who's in charge of that. Mm-hmm. And it's in a private kind of anteroom and it's locked in, and security is there. But she's the only one that can unlock it and let you in. And she does. And so they figure out how... And there's a whole sequence of what do we do with her? You know, do we beat her up? Do we tie her up? do we What do we do? Mm-hmm. And they're kind of ambiguous about what they're going to do other than one guy says, I'll take care of it. And it's... It's awful. Mm -hmm. It's kind of awful what they do to Mm -hmm. her, and it's. But there's a great actress that plays her, and Mm -hmm. what I like about this film, I'm going to say a couple things I like, is you get these little kind of art films where the story is bigger than the film itself. Mm -hmm. The story is fascinating, Mm -hmm. and and but you put really good actors in small parts in it, and it's a woman that we've seen Mm
0: -hmm.
1: before in many many movies, and I can't even remember her Mm -hmm. name Mm as an actress, but when she pops up in this film, we both went, oh, Mm -hmm. look, it's her. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it kind of elevates the whole thing. It makes it more serious. And I I, I took the movie a little bit more serious at the time. You know, these guys sit down and they they just plow through a bunch of Blu-rays.
2: Yeah, of how to... Of heist movies uh, in order
1: to figure out...
2: And actually, this is th- cool. This is 2003, this would be really so neat. that was just a. Those are just DVDs.
1: They're and just DVDs, not Blu-rays. That's right. It's, 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 thank you for that film club. But
2: they weren't VHS tapes. They weren't VHS tapes.
1: <laughs> but dude, they watch Reservoir Dogs and they watch the Heist and they watch all these? They watch the Sting. Yeah. You know, and they, they, they have it in their head that we're just... that it's just
2: going to be so easy. And, it's, it'll be so easy, and then we'll be able to sell it so easily. And what are yeah. they
1: going to do with that money? They're so stupid. They would they wouldn't know what to do with that money. <sighs> And so we're not going to tell you how it all turns out, but it's not good. And it's not, you know, it's exactly what you think. Yeah. Because um, it's, you know, of course, you can read about this story. But I think as a news article and as a news story, I think it's a really interesting.
2: It's interesting. I was
1: really interested in this.
2: But then I just have, you as we were talking about this um, kind of in preparation for today, you would mentioned that, that you... You're not. You never rooted for those guys, and that's kind of an interesting. I
1: don't think the director does either. Yeah. I I and that's really rare in movies mm-hmm. to be that honest. Usually, even in even in killers, right? An There's actor some has sort to of, find some sympathy yeah. for them. Yeah. And I think the actors in this case have to find sympathy for them. Mm-hmm. But when you see the real guy, and then they do a scene with the actor, and then the real guy and the mm-hmm. actor, it's hard to have sympathy for him because the real guys are just like. You're stupid. Yeah.
2: Well, it's interesting, and this is uh, you know kind of a little off topic, but I just finished a, a John Grisham book um, called The Rooster Bar, and it's it's interesting because these these are bad guys, but you but you root for them because of the circumstance that they're mm-hmm. in, no,
1: they're, and, I, and
2: they're not terrible. They don't yeah. like killing kill anybody, but they that's that's great character development because all of a sudden you 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 find the way to mm-hmm. care about somebody. Um, even though they're doing things that you maybe don't approve of, right? These kids, you, I just have, I, I have no interest. In well, and just anything. think about
1: this too: they're not robbing a casino, right? Even though that's a crime. Right. I mean, we can get behind George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Yeah, and all these of course. Guys I, I'm going to Ocean's
2: cooing, uh, ele- you know, eight, eight, 11. Because we've all been 10, robbed 13. by a casino exactly. at one point. Yeah. You know, we can
1: kind of fantasize. We know it's a criminal act and all that stuff. But in this case, they're robbing their own school and going after their own librarian. And mm-hmm. it's the lowest of the yeah. low.
2: You know, it's like because they're lazy.
1: Because they're lazy. and they
2: have, and they don't have anything right. else to do. And they
1: actually have absolutely zero plan with yeah. what they're going to do just, with it. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I and I. So it's hard to have. You, you don't have sympathy for it. And once again, the story is bigger than the film, and I I think the director did exactly the film he won. Mm-hmm. It's not a high-powered, uh, instant edit movie. These scenes linger on and on, so it's a very slow burn in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. But the heist part and what they do is really kind of interesting to mm-hmm. me, and uh, and it makes total sense because it's just dumb, mm-hmm. yeah. I think your story is more interesting.
2: Well, and so it's kind of again though you have to wonder what's 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 the mindset and how uh, how how does somebody get from point A to point B? And so and this was uh, kind of moving on to my heist from from your heist. So in two thousand four on. I want to say it was Christmas night, Christmas, maybe it was box maybe it was between December 25th and December 26th that morning. Mm-hmm. Um French Laundry in Napa Valley, famed I'll never forget when it happened. if Thomas Keller's famous famed joyful gorgeous restaurant that That we had the privilege once to to dine in. It was
1: a privilege. It was a privilege to pay all that money to eat there. I I don't regret it. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. So um, at the time, the restaurant was closed for renovations. They did a major renovation on um, French Laundry in 2014. So the alarm was turned off because it was going through renovation. Even though it was going through reservation or um, renovations, they still had the wine in their wine cellar. Yeah, Um, kitchen I think was getting a major remodel, but the wine was still downstairs in the cellar. Which makes sense. Absolutely. Why in the world would you need to move it? So, um, two at least two uh, gentlemen broke in and. Very very quickly stole 110 bottles of wine, uh, with the value of upwards of 550 thousand dollars. Well, they
1: knew what they were going after,
2: and that's that's kind of always been the whole kind of thing because um, it was very scandalous. They, you know, nobody knew who had done this and why it was done. Um, it actually. Um, over now, it's 2018. They have f- found at least two of the men. They have; they're both in jail now. It's Alfred Georges and Davis Kuryakaz. So sorry if I Did butchered your here? your names, gentlemen. Yeah. Um, and no, that's that's kind of the thing. It's that and and these gentlemen, at least, um, I want to say Kurikaz, uh has been admitted to be a part of of several different additional. Um, wine, Robbery, yeah. wine robberies, wine um, heists, wine heist. Um, I think in 2013 he stole 230 thousand dollars worth of wine from San Francisco Fine Wines International. Um, and so they have both. They're both in jail. They, but it's kind of this whole like, what's the mentality? Um, they were both sentenced in, in early 2018. Um, they stole. Uh, they stole a a $10,000 bottle of Domaine de la Romani Conti. So that's like one of the finest wines you will ever find in the world. Um, There is one importer of, of that wine in the U S so it's kind of when they tried to go out and start selling this and they did, they tried to sell it through a, I want to say a wine dealer in North Carolina. They needed a fence. They needed a fence. Um, but they were able to track the bottles. I want to say all but a, a handful of bottles have been recovered. So they were able to track all of these bottles. There's also great things now that you do have um, anti. Counterfeiting yeah. kind of things on on bottles. You have the ability to scan um, scan bottle numbers, and and you can see uh, caps that are you know the closures are now different on on bottles to actually prevent counterfeiting. And so um, with that though, they've been able to track down most of of wow. this wine. But again, it's this whole. It's not you can't you can't create something. Different. Um, it's not. I and I don't even want to say it's not like a piece of art because you can't. You can't swap a bottle for a bottle. Yeah. And because of these antique so counterfeiting yes. techniques, yes. I mean, you could try to steal the Mona Lisa and and put in a fake, but. You can't really do that with wine. Yeah, that it, it
1: doesn't make sense on the sellability. On the of
2: sellability, it. exactly. Because, because there's
1: too many people down the chain of yeah, money exchange. Yes, to figure that out. That they're going to get caught, and then it's easy to trace back.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, and, and and again, then you also kind of have to say, like these guys were so focused, they worked yeah. very fast. Yeah. They were in and out of there. They knew exactly what they wanted, and so it's never kind of. Come out that there was a like if there was an accomplice who that accomplice was. Getting just a reservation at French Laundry is so difficult. I want and these are one one of the gentlemen was in his fifties, the other one is in his forties. They're both from California. Um, They didn't seem to be great wine collectors or have really any. Interest in wine, so it's not like they're probably spending a thousand dollars on yeah. French laundry every day just to get down to see the seller. I mean, there had to be somebody else, though. That's never really. Yeah.
1: How did they case the joint if they weren't dining if they there? weren't
2: dining there? And how did you know? And it's such a small restaurant. Like how yeah. did how did that happen? And there and to have a restaurant heist just doesn't really happen a lot. You, you know, you can go into a warehouse and kind of figure out how to get in just because yeah. that's a broad, larger space, but to figure out in this very tiny space how to get what you wanted.
1: Let alone and, to transport the one. And then
2: to trans- it to North Carolina. So well, you just don't
1: throw it in the back of the trunk no, of your car.
2: No. I 110 mean, you, bottles is also... I mean, that's, that's not a lot. A, it's well, not a lot. It's, you know... It's
1: 10 cases. Yeah. yeah.
2: And so do you, how do you do that? But, you know, it, it does also show that crime doesn't pay because... Um, Georges received 37 months in prison. 37 Kiri- months Kirikos, 15 months and both
1: I think that's nothing.
2: Both were ordered to pay $585,000 each. Okay, that's in a lot. <laughs> so basically they are paying over what they stole, which right. they should. That's yeah. each, which, you know, Wow. crime doesn't pay. No,
1: I it, tell it, wine heights. When that it's happened, I was feist. just fascinated.
2: Oh, because we all thought it's gotta, it be to be, gotta be a cook in the kitchen. It's gotta be it's gotta
1: be somebody that works there. It's gotta be inside. one of the
2: Psalms, because then how do you know? I mean, yeah. it wasn't a cook in the kitchen. It had to be somebody that 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 went in and and
1: cooks are too disciplined. Well,
2: for no, them. it's not that. You had to know where the bottles were. I right. will say I work in a restaurant right now. I see there are labels on our wine fridges and I pull out that label thinking that there's a bottle of whatever cake bread is on that shelf and instead it's like a, a bottle of Domaine Carneros. So right. you 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 had to know categorically right. where every single one of those bottles it had to be an inside job. There had to be somebody else.
1: I wonder if I wonder if wine collectors all over the world, when that happened, started thinking, "Ooh, I wonder if," because wine collectors – its not uncommon in some of these wine cellars by gazillionaires that they have millions of dollars worth of wine in their cellars.
2: And how? And do they really know? And and it's
1: it's in a house with security, but yeah, I mean, it would made, made you per- make you perk up right away. Yeah. And the, and over probably over secure some of that yeah yeah absolutely why absolutely because what a way to ruin it put it in your car and drive it to North Carolina God, and,
2: the, and and in the summer yeah at least it was December so it wouldn't have gotten cooked but still
1: I wonder if that came out in the court case uh, did you chill this and, I hope it was uh, did, refrigerated did you keep this at fifty four degrees or fifty <laughs> five degrees
2: and,
1: and all all that kind of stuff and that fun that's great hey when we come back on Coquel wine and film a perfect pairing Haley and I are going to spend a few minutes asking each other questions about the world of Wine and the world of film. It's all in the spirit of understanding how each other thinks. And we will be right back. One of our greatest wine discoveries we want you to know about is called Wine Access.
2: Yes, Gary and I love a great glass, and we found that often the best wines come from winemakers making wine from premium fruit. Often in small quantities.
1: But often these wines are difficult to find due to limited production and availability.
2: That's why we want you to know, as Gary said, about wine access. They make it so easy to find delicious handcrafted wines like the stunning Grenache-based Red Blend Vermilion from Helen Keplinger. Helen's kind of one of California's original cult winemakers. She was winemaker at Grace family. She was with Bryant family at Kenzo Estate. 2012 she was honored with Food and Wine Magazine's winemaker of the year. I had this red blend when I had dinner several years ago at Meadowood and I was just blown away. It's a beautiful, juicy fruit forward, but also great earthiness, little herbaceousness wine that sells for $35. Wow. It's a complete steal for the quality.
1: Wine Access is a team of wine experts. They taste thousands of bottles every single year.
2: Wine Access only selects the best to offer you. Wines that over-deliver in value, tasting as though they cost twice as much, and they'll share their full story with you.
1: And we want you to try Wine Access as well. So we've arranged an exclusive limited time offer. You're gonna get 20% off these great wines that already over-deliver on price, and you can order as many bottles as you like.
2: But to take advantage of this offer, you must go now to our special website, WineAccess.com slash Cogill. Software won't last, so order now to get this fantastic 20% off deal.
1: For full details, you go to WineAccess.com slash Cogill. Again, that's WineAccess.com slash Cogill, C-O-G-I-L-L. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. And I'm the first to admit I'm married to one of the more extraordinary wine experts on the planet. I believe that. And just when I think I know a little bit about wine, I'm often wrong. (laughs) And it's so fun to learn. So in the spirit of understanding more about Haley and her world, as well as her understanding more about my world, the world of film, we offer up a give and take about wine and about film. So I'm going to ask you a question right off the bat. All right. You've been to hundreds, probably thousands of wine tastings. Wineries all over the world. What's your idea of an ideal wine tasting, and what is it when a wine tasting goes wrong? When, when does it work and when does it not work?
2: Well, I think that there are two different things. I guess if I am if I'm tasting uh, professionally, so say I am I am with a group of other journalists and we're visiting wineries um, in a region, that sort of thing. Um, the first thing that that I always want to do, and I'll say most of my colleagues always want to do, is get in the vineyard. Like I want to see the vines, I want to see the soil, oh. I want to see, I want to see where the where the wine is coming from. And I appreciate that this term of being a wine grower is now more and more um, accepted, especially in the U.S. It's kind of been a, a traditional term used um, throughout Europe, but being a wine grower, so you're not a grape grower. You're actually your focus is to grow is to grow wine and to, and so that's kind of the whole story that everything starts in the vineyard. Um, and then with that, to continue a conversation with a vintner, with uh, a winemaker and, and understand their passion and understand their story and, and to have that kind of personal interaction. And, and that's the joyful thing that I think we've both been able to experience quite often. Yeah. Um it's great to to go through a winery, especially if there are wineries that do have a you know some some new innovative techniques or contraptions or um, you know there's a there's a lot of new there are a lot of new
1: uh, a lot of new technology
2: and tools that yeah. um, are being used. But it's kind of like back when I was in tv land and i'd go and visit television stations and every general manager wanted to take me into master control no show me your master control and it's like okay it's it's some buttons it's you go into a lot of monitors and buttons it's a it's one
1: person switching
2: exactly and you go into a winery it's like okay it's a lot of tanks it's a lot of barrels i appreciate that but i don't need to see another stainless steel tank i want to see your vines um, a tasting gone wrong. Well, we had a little experience of one in Napa, and I think that um, when there are there are various tasting room uh, attendants that sometimes want to overshare their uh, knowledge with you, and uh, and I don't need you to tell me what you think about this wine. And I think, and it kind of makes me it makes me a little sad for for consumers that go out and, and enjoy uh, tasting room experiences that don't really ever understand what they're tasting. And there are great tasting rooms out, uh, throughout the world that, that welcome guests every day. And, and sometimes I think somebody wants to talk too much and, and, It's kind of no. Just let the wine let the wine speak for itself.
1: Or when they uh, and I'm going to throw an interject. Yeah, because you've experienced. Well, I think it's I think it's amazing when you taste wine with somebody who literally assumes you know nothing. Yeah, and you can find that out in 20 seconds. But ask a couple questions, or figure that out before the person gets there who they are. Yeah. A bit
2: that's easy well and and i certainly you know it's it's great to just be able to stroll into a tasting room and not have yeah. but but that's where again you know stop talking just stop let talking. me just let me enjoy this wine it's like when
1: i used to go into a blockbuster store and they would always send some like 16 year old kid over to tell me everything that's popular right now yeah. and recommend all these horrible movies yeah yeah, You know, without ever knowing, you know, and I always thought that was kind of fun.
2: And it's, I don't want to, you know, I don't yeah. want to talk poorly about anyone because that's just not my style, but there, you have to be able to allow, uh, allow wine that you're tasting to speak for itself. And then if you're going to be so knowledgeable and tell me how much you know about everything when I ask you a question and you can't answer it, that should kind of be the clue that maybe you need to back off a little bit. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Maybe just a little bit. Over (laughs) explaining. Okay. So I know, my sweet Gary, what your favorite movies of all time are. I can can list them for you. Waiting for Guffman, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, to Kill, a Mockingbird, Kill Mockingbird. Schindler's List. Schindler's List, the the best movie that you had to write about, but it's not something that you would ever see. Um,
1: yeah, for fun, uh, for fun. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, what? Give me three movies that you really dislike, movies you wow. can't stand for whatever reason. I need three.
1: Okay, uh, one of them is called Sheena, Queen of the Jungle,
2: <laughs>
1: starring Tanya Roberts, and Who's she Tanya like Roberts? yeah, but every twenty minutes she pops her top and gets naked. <laughs> She speaks, she has a shaman, and they speak to animals, and they solve all kinds of things. It is so horrible. And I actually reviewed that film probably back in the late 80s. Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. Nice. Every once in a while, it'll pop up on late night TV. But not nearly as bad as number two, which is Carrot Top in a movie called Chairman of the Board. And man, it is just so bad and vulgar and vile. Everything about it was wrong. Everything about it just... Is like an insult to even buying a ticket, and and you know, I mean, there are bad movies, and then there are movies, you know. Good bad is when a movie's so bad you just laugh through the whole thing because it's just so atrociously awful. But it's pretty funny. Bad 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 is where you're not laughing because it's just so god awful. So Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, <laughs> Carrot Top, and Chairman of the Board, uh, the worst film I've ever seen or ever written about ever, was uh, Paris Hilton: The Haughty and the Naughty. Aww. The hottie and the naughty, the and naughty is spelled N-O-T-T-I-E. Oh. You're either hot or not hot. you know. <laughs> oh and at one God. point, she says in the line to the actor, who I've seen in other movies now, uh, who actually went on and had a career, and she produced the film and starred in the film. And uh, she's talking to a guy, and then she doesn't like him anymore, and she she walks up to him and says, You're just a piece of crap. And I'm just watching this going... And then I had a discussion with Paris Hilton uh, about that movie, who said she studied acting for months just to say that line. I just could barely keep my <laughs> face straight. But Haughty uh, and the Naughty is. Like, so when it opened, I think it opened in a in number of theaters all around the country. And I think it did uh, nationwide opening weekend, made 23,000. So it probably cost a million or two of our own money. <laughs> Opening week, that mean and that, so it came out. Uh, it came out that four people per day per theater went to, <laughs> to see, see the it. Haughty and the naughty.
2: You're just a piece of crap. You're just
1: a piece of crap. Wow! <laughs> Did you study the Stanislav method or the Bolenslaw method? Okay, has uh, your palate changed since you became a certified sommelier? Uh, you know, when you think back then of the certain wines that you liked over others, maybe, and now that you like something completely different, or is that just with age and tasting wine, you change? But has your palate changed over well, the years? Well,
2: I know that when, thank you for that question. Yeah. Um I know that when I did my training, which that was 15 years ago, um, what when I first decided to, to do some training at all. My whole, I was a red wine drinker. I didn't really drink a lot of white. Um, and then through the course of, of the class that I take to do, the class that I took to actually take the test, um, we tasted through a lot of whites and I learned to really love white wine because I think that you can find so many nuances within a glass of white like the 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 the, the intricacies of a, of a great Riesling is fascinating the the layers you can find in a really beautifully made Chardonnay is is exciting um, you certainly find that in reds but I had already kind of been yeah. a red wine drinker um, but then I'll say and I, I again every day feel so privileged for the job I get to do because I will say that that over the last really ten years of of really focusing um, on writing um, and speaking and such, the that my palate has continued to to grow and and expand and and I don't know if necessarily changed, but just become more. Uh, I have learned so much by traveling to see so many different places, and mm. that's that's what's even more exciting. You know, you can taste thousands of bottles, and and. Think you understand a, a region or a place, but to actually see the to see the the vineyards, to see how how grapes can be grown, and and some of the most obscure scenarios. And I'm thinking particularly in Spain and the in the Toro region with these you know very rocky rocky fields and and these old 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 Grenache vines and 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 Languedoc or in Northern Spain. It's like to see that kind of, to see the vines tells the story. And that's where I think when you then taste the, taste the juice and then you eat the cuisine that, that is, I is the perfect pairing with those wines because it was made, you know, from local products, and I think and Piemonte that was so integrated. so fantastic, exactly because you're having, you know, there's hazelnuts grown, there's the truffles and all of that. You taste all of that in the wines, yeah. and everything is tied together. So,
1: yeah, so yeah. you know, I, I, I'm, my little addendum is, I, I I think this is true. The more I meet people that know a lot about wine the more they're interested in whites more than reds mm-hmm. you know and and i and i find that true i find that interesting the more i've n- known more about wine i'll choose a white often now
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's interesting and i'm on a low level but i i you're not you I know, know a little bit. yeah i know a little yeah, bit. yeah. No, yeah. but it's true i mean i really it's funny isn't mm-hmm. that funny but you give me that, that red that I really like, and that, that'll be the king. Man, it's like. Yeah. Yeah, offline. We had some of that recently. I love Good. All right.
2: So, my dear, is yeah. it more fun to review films or to make films?
1: To, review, to be a film critic or to make movies? Or
2: to be a producer, yes.
1: So, I, you know, I, as we know, um, a lot of people know, I spent f- five years uh, t- helping get some films made with a film company. You know what? I had such. I had such good, bad experiences making films. Some of my experience of making films, you know, we made a film with Clive Owen and Juliet Benoche and Amy Brenneman and Naveed Negabon, who's uh, Aladdin's, uh, uh, the girl in Aladdin's father coming up in the big nice. Aladdin film. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited for Naveed. Uh, but, you know, we got to know actors and, and we got to, you know, be around, you know, a, a bunch of films. and uh, But it was so hard and... I think I think now I'm circling back, and I really like reviewing films again. Yeah. yeah, I think that 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 little jaunt off an adventure, which was huge and amazing, um, but also left some bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is just some bad people I was working yeah. with, and some bad partners. Yeah. So there's a bad taste of that, but at the same time, I'll never regret that. And it was a really amazing experience, and I love talking about it, and I'm very proud of those. Films, just a little part that I played in, but I really love reviewing films. I really, I right now that I get to write an article for West Hawaii Today, which Mm -hmm. is a small newspaper on the west side of the Big Island, is like thrilling for me. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I think it's, I think it's, I'm having and to be able to talk about them
2: exactly on the show. We've done 70. This is our 77th show. And and um. I'm
1: not, yeah. And to do this with you and talk about movies on the podcast is really, really fun. And it's challenging because it makes you think constantly about what you're seeing and why people are doing what they're doing with the art that they have in mm-hmm. front of them. And I, I've always connected with that. It's always it's been a big connection with me. So if I'm not making movies, I'd rather review films. And right now I'm not making movies, so I'd rather review. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It's interesting because I I have been asked often, so I'll ask myself a question of yeah. would you know? Don't you? Would you ever want to go out and make wine? Yeah. And and I'd, or, or even go work for a particular winery, go be a brand ambassador or something like that. And, I, and that would be very fun. It would be a, a whole new challenge and, and very interesting. But the joy that I get to experience the entire world every day in a glass is so exciting. Mm-hmm. And and I would never, at least I say that, I, who knows what the next future will bring. Yeah. But I don't want to limit myself. You know, you, mm-hmm. in making film, you could only, there, there was only so much you could do. Whereas you could see every film. I could, t- I am, I can taste any wine. I can yeah. write about any wine. I can go and experience any wine. The I can go of and see. The travel
1: that goes with your job is yeah. a complete education of, in and of itself. I'm, that is a privilege. And yeah. most people don't get to do. It. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, that's really the, the most joyful yeah. part of, I think of,
1: yeah, and every time we get it. off a plane, we're back home in Hawaii,
2: that which is not a bad thing. That hey, matter. real
1: quick question. This is real quick. Yes. Um, when a bottle comes with a screw top rather than a cork, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
2: You know, ten years ago, I was very skeptical. Today I say, oh, it's so much easier to open. so much easier to open. <laughs> oh, we can take that bottle to sunset.
1: <laughs> we can walk down to the ocean with it.
2: Um, and, you know, the beauty of a screw cap, there are a lot of really, really great wines that are made 100% um, with screw cap. And they, they don't let air in. And so the whole point of using a cork is that you actually let a little bit of air in, which helps the wine age over time. And so the screw cap doesn't allow that, which, you know, it'll be interesting to see some of these screw cap wines in 50 years to see where they are, Yeah, because you typically have needed a little bit of, you need to have a little bit of air in those bottles. But um, yeah, I I have no problem with it. And that's, that's changed. I am not, um, I am, I'm not onto the boxed wines, but I have had, there are a lot of wineries in Europe that that's, that they make a lot of boxed wines yeah. and, and the whole bag and box is, is a huge, huge market that the U S hasn't, hasn't That's really another leap we on. haven't taken. Well, it. and I'll say, I think that if we were bringing those wines, if we were importing those wines and we are, we're just importing them in a bottle instead of in a, in a bag or box. Um, unfortunately, the, the, Bag and box wines that we have on the shelves in the U.S. right now are many of them are not not good not good yeah and yeah. and so uh, you know if we start bringing over or importing or having winemakers in the states actually you know embrace it should pop in a box you never know that's so funny she did a pup in a box but I can't you know and that's where I'm still having a problem with okay. the canned wine so okay um one more question for okay, you. okay let's do one more okay. each um. Okay, so Mr. Gary, in yeah. your opinion. What's the best wine movie ever made, or has it been made? Uh, best wine
1: movie ever made for me is Easy, and it's Sideways. Whether you agree or disagree with it, it's a wonderful film, it's and it's wonderfully great. written and acted. And there's moments, there are stop down moments in that movie for me. I realize what it did uh, for Pinot Noir and how it railed against Merlot, and none of, and that's not accurate or oh. true. Yeah. It happened. So, but as a movie, that movie is great.
2: Listening to Virginia Madsen talk about her love of Pinot is just.
1: They both have those monologues oh. where they're sitting in those comfy chairs after being out all, you know, in the evening. And then we there's a moment in that film where uh, um, he's going to Paul village. Giamatti has to go get yeah, the wallet,
2: retrieve the wallet inside the house. and <laughs> Church is
1: in the car, and he does that triple take, and we wait for that moment. While they're playing heavy metal rock he runs it and grabs it. It's just one of the funniest bits of all time. The triple take of Paul Giamatti. So I'm going to say this. I interviewed Paul Giamatti for that film. I interviewed all of them in that film. Um, And uh, uh, I'll never forget asking Paul Giamatti just a basic wine question. He stopped me and he looked and he said, look, I made a movie about wine. It's a really good movie. I don't know more about wine after making the movie than I did when I started, and I knew nothing when I started. Yeah. So I am not a wine expert, and I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah, uh, we love Paul Giamatti. We do. We do. Yeah. We do. yeah. yeah. Uh, so my last question for you is: uh, What? What? If you drink wine all over the world, so let's take the wine out of it just a little bit. But you've been in so many situations all over the world to sip a glass of wine to drink a glass of wine. What's the setting? What's the setting of all over the world, of all the places, the people you've been, where just having a glass of wine is memorable and maybe fills you up a little bit?
2: Uh, so like what, I was, know what was the place or what was the... Yeah, what's the setting? You know, there was... I, I talk about... I, I say it every time I, I talk about it. So I was in Alto Adige. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we did a we did a picnic in the middle of a vineyard yeah. um right by lake Garda um i think it's lake Garda i hope it is um and it was just breathtaking it i think that any time you can taste in a vineyard it's there's there's something magical there it's great to to taste in castles it's great to taste in and and you know old barrel rooms it's it's great to to taste it wherever in and, and someone's home um and with that i'll say one experience i think i've talked about it before on the show was was tasting with a winemaker who opened a bottle of 1945 chenin blanc um and some more in the loire valley uh <clears throat> because we were his new American friends, and the Americans had saved his family's home and vineyards because the Germans had occupied his estate during World War II. And the Americans came in and pretty much destroyed a lot of his home, but we drove the Germans out. And so he was that, you know, oh. talk about a tearful, breathtaking oh. moment. And so to open that wine and drink that wine was, was truly remarkable. Wow. So I guess yeah. anytime you can have a, a, a special experience and you can celebrate uh, the history and the 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 future of of, of the, what you know the next generation will bring is, is very very exciting and yeah. and very very special. Um,
1: the life of wine and the life of movies. And it's fantastic. It's, it's you know? fantastic. You know, man, yeah.
2: um, so Gary, I'm going to just also. Uh, do a little quick sh- yeah, shout good. out to our our listeners, and you know Gary and I try not to get very political, but we are as the show airs, we are we are almost um, you know voting day is 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 tomorrow if you haven't pre uh, early voted, and um, there's a lot of there there are so many. Things in this world right now that that are very very scary and and the future of you know or for our future generations um, across the board for the future of our of animals of oceans of kids of uh, so we are given one of the greatest gifts and that is that we have a right to vote yep. and so whatever you believe and however you're going to vote the important thing is to do it
1: yeah the important thing is to do it and not lay out. You have vote. the
2: opportunity to, to. Stop laying out if voice. you're laying out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, get out there and do it.
2: It's a very, very interesting time in our yeah, world.
1: It is. Let's go do and be and be great about it. Uh, by the way, I learned a lot about you today. That was good. Next time on Kogel Wine and Film, a perfect pairing, more great films, either in theaters or on demand, along with wines and pairings that we like to say are worthy of celebration. <laughs>
2: For more on the film from today's show, please follow our blog on CogillConsulting.com or through Facebook. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncourt.
1: And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film.
2: I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine.
1: Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film,
0: A Perfect Pairing. Aloha. Go and vote.